Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. This whole exercise of Mother Day celebration started, I think, in 1910 by this woman called Anna Jarvis. And her intention was just to celebrate celebrate the mothers that have influenced her lives. Interestingly, after she started in 1910, by 1919, she was not happy with the whole celebration. The reason was because it has become so commercialized that she was so angry. She said that the, the, uh, the, 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 the greeting card business has stolen the whole essence of uh, the Mother's Day, that they have commercialized it to the point where it is no longer, you know, people are no longer taking time to write special notes to their parents and that was to their mothers, and that was what she was not happy about. If Anna Jarvis were to be around today, she would probably be, she would have lost it because now it's a multi-billion dollar business because it's not just the greeting cards now, it's the flowers, it's the chocolate, it's the gift card, it's the everything that you go into, you know. So, that is, uh, that, so the, the whole thing, that the interesting thing that I just wanted to bring out is that we, it is interesting that we have to be reminded to say thank you to our mothers. Very interesting. What we're supposed to be doing naturally on a regular basis, on a daily basis, to just look at the mothers and the women in our lives and just say thank you for being around us. Somebody has to set a day up and remind us to stop us, which is good. You know, sometimes it's good to be reminded to stop what we're doing and express, you know, that honor in a very tangible way. And so once again, I want to say Happy Mother's Day to all our, uh, to all our beautiful ladies and our beautiful mothers and sisters in the house. And I pray that the hand of the Almighty God will be upon you and the Lord Almighty will strengthen you and He will uphold you in Jesus' name. Exodus 20, reading from verse number 12, the Bible tells us something very interesting there. And that is, the Bible says that honor your father and your mother that your day may be long, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And interestingly, this comes, you know, if you look at the Ten Commandments, this is really up there. After you are talking about, you know, you should not have any other God, you should obey the Sabbath day and everything. The next thing that the Lord puts in there is for you to honor your father and your mother. The question is, why must we honor our fathers and our mothers? Why must we honor the women in our life? The first reason you find is that we honor our fathers and our mother because it is not a suggestion. It's a command of the Lord. Okay? It is a command. It is not a suggestion. God gave parents the responsibility over the lives of their children. And because He gave them that responsibility, He expects them to be able to honor them. Why do we honor our mothers? We honor our mothers because the Bible commands us, like I said, the Bible commands us to show respect to who respect is due. Say, honor those, you know, give honor to whom honor is due. And that is why we honor our mothers and our parents. Why do we honor our fathers and our mothers? We honor our father and our mothers because 
because they are a symbol of authority. They are a symbol of authority in the house. That is why if you honor God, you come into his presence, the next thing that represents God in our individual life and the life of a child is their parents. They are the ones that make things happen. They are the ones that make you know, the impossibility, impossible things happen. You go into the house, there's nothing to eat. And the mothers always perform a miracle. Out of nothing, they are able to whip up something. When there is no food in the house and you look at the scraps, and before you know what's happening, they are able to do their magic and do those things happen. You can have the father there just grumbling and walking around what is there to eat in the house. But let the mother come make things begin to happen. It's because they are, you know, we honor them because... We are required to show respect. We honor them because they are a symbol of authority. We may, they maintain order in the house. If you see a good mother in the house, you know that that house is in order. If you see, you know, if you see a mother that is not that is not living up to her, that is not pulling her weight, you can tell in the way the house is organized and the way the children are behaving. So we honor our mothers because they are the one that maintain order. They are the one that put sanity in the home. A man's business is just to come around. And and just do whatever he wants to do. And at the end of the day, it is the woman, it is the mother that puts heart into whatever we do, into whatever happens in the house. And that is why we honor them because they maintain order. Why do we honor our fathers and our mothers? We honor them because that is our path to obtaining blessing. Honoring your mother is a path to obtaining blessing. The Bible makes us to understand that our parents carry, you know, they carry a power to bless and the power to curse. And that is why you will notice that when the children, when they are growing up, they will say, Father, give me your blessing. That was why Abraham, that, that was why Isaac asked for the blessing. That was why Jacob asked for blessing. That was why Esau even cried when he could not get the blessing. Because the parents carry the power to bless and to curse. And that is why as parents, we have to be extremely careful when one of your kids make you mad or somebody that you have authority over makes you mad be very careful what comes out of your mouth because the bible says that the power of life and death are in the tongue and the the authority that god has placed upon the parents carry a heavier weight when they make a declaration over the life of their children and that is why we honor them because it's our path to obtaining blessing why do we honor them importantly we honor them according to what the bible tells us in that exodus that we've read we honor our father our mother because it is our own way of self-preservation. It is our own way of self-preservation. Self-preservation. Parents carry the power of life and death. The Bible tells us, it tells us, it says, honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long upon the earth. It's upon the land which the Lord is giving you. In other words, if you do not honor your father or your mother, if you disrespect your mother, you are looking for trouble. You may end up cutting yourself off from the blessings and the channel of blessings that God is making available unto you. The Bible says, where the sole of your feet shall tread upon, there I have given unto you. But in order for you to maintain it, in order for you to remain long in the land where God is giving to you, in order for you to continue to enjoy the blessings of God, you need to be able to honor those mothers and honor the parents that God has put upon your life. And in the process of honoring them, that is when you see the blessings of God sustained in your life and multiplied. So we honor our parents because it's a way for you to preserve your life. You can imagine if your mother is angry with you. Life will not be very comfortable. You know the joke that they say that if the woman of the house is not happy, even the dog in the house knows. You know, the dog in the house knows because mommy is coming like this. If you don't take time, it will kick the daylight out of you. If mommy is not happy with the dog, you can imagine if he's not happy with you. Okay? So that is why we honor our parents. 
Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the lines which the Lord is giving to you. Now, this verse of the scripture suggests to us that honoring our fathers and our mothers you know, is directly tied to our future. Honoring your father and your mother, especially your mother, ties directly to your future. Okay? It ties to your self-preservation. It ties to your prosperity. It ties to everything that you do. How well you do in life, how far you travel in life is a function of how well you regard your mother, how well you regard your parents. You have no respect for the father, you have no respect for your mother, you have no respect for your parents. There is a strong possibility that your days in life might be shortened. And that is according to the word of the Lord. If honoring our parents, if respecting our parents is so important, if honoring our parents is directly related to our future prosperity and preservation, the question then is, why do so many people show little regard for their parents? Especially in our society today. Why do people have no respect for their parents? Why do they have little regard for their mothers? Why do they have little regard for their fathers? Why? Why do they not give the people that brought them to this world the respect that they deserve? Now, before we answer that particular question, I want, when the Bible says, honor your father and your mother, the Bible is assuming something. Okay? The Bible is assuming something. The Bible is assuming that parents will do their job by teaching their children and instructing their children. That's what the Bible is assuming. That when you do your job as a parent, when you do your job as a mother, when you do your job as a person who is responsible for a minor, that be, that, that particular person will reciprocate by doing what? By respecting and honoring you. That's the first assumption. The assumption that is that parents will teach their children what it means to honor and respect, not just their mothers and fathers, but every constituted authority that they find themselves under. That's what the Bible is assuming. Okay? The Bible is assuming that for a child, to, it is not automatic for a child to respect his parent. The Bible is saying that for the child to be able to respect the parent and respect the mother, that particular mother must have done their due diligence, done what they are supposed to do. And that's why if you read the book of Ephesians, the Bible says, love your way. It says, husbands, love your wife. And then the wife should honor their parent. And then it says, do not grieve your children. In other words, do not do things that will make your children to begin to put you in disrepute or put you or not give you the proper regard. And that that particular assumption we fail to understand it that is a responsibility honoring mothers is not automatic honoring mother is not a given it's based on an assumption and that assumption is that you have done your job by teaching and instructing that particular child that is the assumption that the bible is working on now when a child therefore shows very little regard for his parent or his father for his mother or for his mother or father there are two possibilities Okay, the first possibility is that the child has not been taught to honor the parent or the you know to honor the parent or any considered authority. That's why they don't have any regards for it. That's why they can talk back to their parent, that's why they can insult their parent. The first possibility is that the child has not been taught. The second possibility is that the child has refused training. So it's either they have not been taught or they have been taught and they refuse training. Okay, those are the two possibilities. So when you see a child misbehaving, those are the two things that, it might, that must be going on in their life. Now, if a child refused the teaching of his, of his or her parent, and then you, the only thing you can do is to blame that particular child. If the, child, if the mother is instructing a child, if the father is instructing that child, this is the way you should go. This is how you talk to people. This is how you behave in society. And the child refused to take that particular instruction. It's not the fault of the child. It's not the fault of the parent because they, they did their best, but the child just refused. Okay, and we have a lot of kids in our society today 
who come from respected families, who come from respect, reputable families, whose parents you know have done a good job in trying to make sure that these kids are properly educated and properly taught. And these kids just simply choose not to go. And then at the end of the day, they start blaming my father never gave me enough hug. My mother never rubbed my head enough. And that's all they are going to continue to do because they want to place the blame somewhere else. But they have been instructed and they refuse to take that instruction. But on the flip side, is when you see a child who is not respecting the parent. The reason in the other side of it is that when a child is not taught, when that child is not instructed at home to know how to respect constitutional authority, then the blame will fall upon the parents. There are some parents and some mothers who think that their job is to be a friend of their children. That is not your job. Your job is to be the parent. They will get their friends when they go outside. They will get their friends when they have their when they go to school. But your job is to be a parent. And there are people who make that mistake. And as a result, they fail to instruct their children. They fail to teach them in the way of the Lord. And that is why we find that not just in the society, but inside the church, a lot of stupid kids who don't even know how to be, who don't even know how to behave. Because they don't know, they have not been instructed in proper behavior and proper you know, interpersonal relationship. Children with no common sense. Just because their parents have failed to do what they are supposed to do. Children who are plainly, who plainly do not have the, 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 the idea of how people behave. The fault in most cases is that the parents do not know how or have refused to give them instruction. Yes. I think when we first moved to Nashville, there was a... We got to know a particular family and we were invited to a birthday, project, a birthday party of a little boy. I think that boy was about six or so at that time. When we got to that party, we all sat down and, you know, they were, you know doing the normal thing that people do in the party. And then, where I was sitting, I just noticed that the little boy was standing in front of me. And that little boy kept looking at me and he was crying and was throwing tantrum and everything. And I was wondering, what's wrong with this boy? And then the mother came. And the mother told me, he's doing that because you are sitting in the, you are, you are, you are occupying the seat where he's sitting. I said, that is interesting. There are a lot of other empty seats around. Why are you particular about this one? He said, that's because that's where he sat when he came back. And he expects you to get up so that you can sit down. I said, is that so? And he said, yes. I said, okay, good. He said, even he does that in school. Even in school, everywhere he sits, you know, nobody sees that. I said, oh boy. At that point in time, I didn't want to go into it because I know that was a problem, an accident that is going to happen in the future. That is all. Because eventually I got off of that boy. I just said, okay, go ahead, sit down, enjoy yourself. And he had fun and everything. But the point I'm trying to make is this. When we indulge the stupidity of a little boy at that age, I can assure you that that particular stupidity will become a problem that the whole society will pay for. Yes. And that is exactly what we see in the church today. A lot of people who have refused to do the job that they were being instructed to do, that they have been commanded to do. Our job as a parent is to be able to move our family forward, to be able to train our children. And that's what the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs 22, reading from verse 6. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. Okay, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, they will not depart from it. In other words, there are some basic instructions that you need to give to that child. If you expect the child to honor you later in life, there are some instructions that you have to give to that child. If you expect a particular child to be able to do what that child is supposed to do for you in the future, there are things that you're supposed to put in that child's life today. Because if you do not do it, you are going to end up having a major issue. A child who has not been taught or trained in what it means to honor and respect. How can he or she honor his father or mother, much less the constituted authority? 
How can they respect authority when they are outside? How can they respect? Even I know people right now are making a lot of noise about the police. They are brutal. They are this, they are this, they are that. But if you don't put yourself in some terrible condition, the police is not crazy. Many of them don't have mental issue. They don't just walk onto people and start pursuing people. Then there are some who do that, but the majority of them are not there to get you. If you behave like a normal human being, they will treat you like a normal human being. If we fail to train our children, they will end up having us, pro- they will end up giving us problems. What I'm trying to say here is that when we as parents, especially mothers, to do what we are supposed to do we negatively affect the future of our children when we don't do what we are supposed to do the future of our children is now being mortgaged and that's why I want to talk very briefly this very morning on the issue of motherhood, the power to shape the future I'm talking about motherhood the power to shape the future and you know that there's a particular way, there's a particular quotation that is given. A, a formative, the formative period for building character for eternity is in the nursery. The mother is queen of that realm and sways a scepter more potent than the kings or priests. In other words, the mother has a lot of power to be able to shape the direction of a, of a child's future. A mother has a lot of power to be able to direct where a child will go. In First Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, reading from verse number 1, reading from verse number 5, sorry. 1 Timothy chapter 1, reading from verse number 5. Paul made a comment about this young man called Timothy. The Bible tells us there, he said, I am mindful of the sincere faith which is in you. That is the faith that is in the life of Timothy. And he now say, which fell, that particular faith that he noticed in the life of in the life of Timothy. He said, I noticed that faith also in the first dwell in your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice. And I'm sure it is in you as well. In other words, you see three generations of faith, faith line. The thing that you see in the life of Timothy, Paul is saying, that you first saw it in the life of the grandmother, which is uh, Eunice. And then you saw that same thing, that same behavior in the life you know, in the life of the grandmother, Louis. And then you saw that same thing in the life of the mother, which is Eunice. In other words, they communicated faith along the line. And that was why Paul, that was why Timothy can be the honorable man that he is. That's why Timothy can be the person that he became. That is why he can become the, 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 the assistant of the greatest apostle that ever lived. The point is saying, the point we're trying to make is that the faith that happens in the life of an individual is not automatic. And from that verse of the scripture we can see, we read that the faith that Timothy had was not accidental. The faith that you see in the life of Timothy was not accidental. The faith that, 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 that happened in his life was, did not happen in a vacuum. Somebody was there. Somebody was intentional to bring up the life of Timothy. In other words, the faith and character in the lives of children do not just happen by accidents. It doesn't happen by accident. It takes intentional development. It takes intentional nurturing. It takes intentional character building in the life of an individual. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, reading from verse 5, we see the spiritual influence in the life of Timothy. It started with the grandmother. Then it continued with the mother. And now we can see the evidence in our life. If you look at many of us today, you will notice that a lot of us, if you go back, if you are from a spiritual or a Christian family, you will see the great influence of their mothers in their life. in shaping them to become who they are today. Moses, uh, Timothy's faith grew and was nourished first by the grandmother and then by the mother. He could not have been the kind of man he turned out to be without the influences of his grandmother and his mother. Timothy's mother and by the, Timothy's grandmother and mother shaped the faith, shaped his faith. They shaped his life. The question is, how did they do it? 
How did Timothy's grandmother and mother, how were they able to shape the faith of Timothy to make him the person that he is today? How did they do it? How can a mother shape the faith and shape the character of a particular child so that when that child grows up, he will be able to honor that particular mother? How can you do it? Or better still, let's ask the question in a different way. Who is that particular mother that is able to shape the life of the child, the future of a child, in a way that will influence the future? How, who is that particular mother? Who is that mother? There are several examples in the scriptures. If you look at a woman called Sarah in the Bible, the Bible makes us to understand that she was the one that shaped the future of Isaac by sending away the child of the bond woman. If you read about the mother of Moses, it was the mother of Moses that was able to shape the mother, that was able to shape the future of Moses to let him know that he was not one of the Egyptians, but he was called by the Almighty God. It was this, it was the, it was the influence of Rebecca that turned that made Jacob to become who he was. Though they did it in a trickery way, but it was the influence of Rebecca. You also see the influence of women like Naomi, influence of women like Ruth, influence of women like Rahab in the scripture. In other words, the influence of women, they not only affected their sons, they also affected the nation as a whole. This morning we are going to be focusing on Anna, which we read in our Bible reading today. I want to find out how did Anna influence not just her son, but the whole nation of Israel by her ability to mother, by her ability to be able to parent uh, 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 Samuel. How did she do it? First Samuel chapter 1. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we read the story of a particular family. The Bible tells us that there was a man called Elkanah. He had two wives. Every year he would go to Shiloh. One of the wives had children. The other one did not have any children. And the one that had no children would always cry. And then the one that had children would always taunt the other one and say that you are a barren person. But we pick up the story from verse number 9. The Bible tells us in verse number 9. So Anna arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your handmaid servant and remember me and forget not and, and not forget your maid servant, but will give your maid servant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Anna spoke in her heart, only her lip moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought that she was drunk. So Eli said unto her, How long will you drink? How long will you be drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Anna answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, but out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken until now. Eli now answered and said unto her, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And he said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her face was no longer sad. So it came to pass, verse number 20, it came to pass, in the process of time that Anna conceived and bore a son, and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. From this verse of the scripture, you will see a number of things. The Bible paints a picture for us of a particular mother who knows what it took to be able to shape the future of her unborn son. 
Anna understood what it took to be able to get the son that she was believing God for in faith, to be able to get that particular son to become a force that would change the direction of the nation of Israel. Anna understood what it took to be able to get a son who will honor her all the days of her life. Anna understood what it took to be able to shape the future of Samuel. Look at verse number 9 of First Samuel chapter 1. The Bible says, So Anna arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. From this verse of the scripture, you will see that mothers who will shape the future of their children is a mother who is awakened and aware of the realities that confront her children. A mother who will shape the future of her children is a mother who is awakened. Is a mother who is aware of the realities that is going to confront her children. In other words, if you sit down like this and you look at the future and you do not understand what is happening out there and you do not understand the challenges that your kids are going to face and you do not understand how you are going to be able to prepare and equip your kids for the challenges that are out there, you are setting up those kids for failure. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that is why you will notice that most of the kids that grow up in church, the time they have the opportunity to get out of church, they become wild. Okay, They go wild. The reason is because they have been sheltered in church. They have learned how to go the pious route. They know all the Christian language. They know all the Christian dressing. They know all the Christian songs. But they have no idea what happens outside of the, outside of the four walls of the church. They have no idea how to deal with people. They have no idea how to relate with very, very crooked and very, very manipulative individuals. They have no idea because they have always been sheltered. A woman, a mother who will shape the future of her children is a mother who is awakened to the realities that confront her children. That is the mother. Anna could not. Anna could continue eating and drinking and say, "Yes, my husband loves me and gives me a double portion." But she realized that if her situation is going to change, if someone was going to have a future, she must be awakened to the reality that confronts her. The reality is that if I continue like this, I will have no children. And because she woke up to that particular reality, she understood what she was supposed to do. If we do not wake up to the reality that is confronting us as a society concerning the children that we are raising right now, I tell you, by the time the kids them grow up, they might not be able to believe the same thing that you believe. They might not hold on to the same faith that you hold on to. Refusing to confront the realities that uh, they're refusing to confront the realities that will that we face our children in the future unless we are willing to deal with it. Our children might wake up tomorrow and start cursing us. If you do not wake up and begin to deal with the challenges that your kids are going to face tomorrow, if you are not willing to prepare them, if you are not willing to equip them, if you are not willing to tell them what is happening out there, I bet you that by the time they grow up and they are not properly pre- and they are not properly equipped, they will turn around and say, "My mother, this my mother didn't do a good job." Even when you had the best intentions. You look at many African homes who have migrated who have migrated to the US here. You will find that a lot of them, they do a lot of work. They have a lot of double schedule. They do everything. And then you look at the kids. The kids are not able to move forward. The reason is because they have missed the mark. It is one thing for you to provide for the kids. It's another thing for you to equip for that kid, equip that kid to be able to move forward. I tell you, if we are not willing to face the realities as mothers, if we are not willing to face the reality that's going to confront our children, the children may wake up one day and curse you instead of honoring you. Number two, who is the mother that will shape the future of our children? The mother who will shape the future of our children is a mother who is willing to take action to confront the challenges that faces our children in the future. It is one thing for you to be aware of the troubles that are out there. It's one thing for you to be aware 
of the challenges that teenagers are facing. It is one thing for you to be aware of the realities that your boys are facing or your girls are facing. It is one thing for you to be aware of what your teachers are teaching the kids in school. It's another thing for you to do something about it. Two different things. We can talk about it here in church and that's what we do very well in church. We talk about all the good things. We make all the noise. We do all the wonderful things. But we do not lift lift a finger to do anything about it. You do not equip the kids to be more, to be, to be, to be, to be in a position to be able to stand and speak. I remember when my daughter would come out and she would start talking about the, the challenges, the debates that they have in school. And they go into an emotional phase. I say, you will never argue with somebody emotionally and win. It's not possible. If you have your conversation through emotion, people will discount whatever you are saying. Because they see you as somebody who is unstable. But if you argue your point based on reason, if you take their word and you analyze it and you give it back to them by asking them very pointed questions, they will begin to take you seriously. Because they cannot argue with fact. If we are not willing to do something, if you are not willing to take action about the challenges that face your children, you will not be able to, you may find that your kids may not bless you. When they grow older. The Bible says Anna was in bitterness of soul. Anna was in bitterness of soul. And because of that she did something. In other words, she knew she was tired of her situation. She understood the condition of the society at that point in time. She knew that if her situation persisted, she will not have any children, much less a future for those children. So what did she do? She began to take action. If the mother who will shape the future of her children is a mother who is willing to do something about the things that they did not like that is confronting the children. One of the things that I've heard is that there's a particular mother that says that I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with my kids playing with the, with the kids on the streets. I just want them to do it right in my house so that I can hear what they're saying, see what they're saying, do what they're doing. Every now and then, he said, every now and then we we'll allow the kids to go out to see what they're doing so that they can be exposed to anything that is, to life that is outside of that, their own little bubble. Because as long as we shield them in that little bubble, you may not understand. And I tell you, the kids will speak the language that they want you to hear. They will behave in a way that as long as you will give them that check mark, you will be like the angel, the saint. But at the end of the day, ah, I can't believe my son is doing that. You must believe it because your son has been doing it, but you have just been oblivious to it. Or you have refused to see it. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Thank mm-hmm. you.